Hey, grab your Bibles. Guess where we're opening to? Wow, you guys are awesome. Yes, the book of John. While you're, while you're turning to the book of John, I want you to think about this question. Uh, what's your favorite day? Is it a holiday? Think about that. <clears throat> some of you, it's like, oh, Christmas. Some of you, your favorite day is your birthday. Uh, some of you, it's, it's a special day, maybe. Oh, maybe it's game day. I heard there's a lot of sore people walking around this church today. Church softball kicked off Friday night. We've got two teams. And then I, I saw a couple of you. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I am so sore right now. <clears throat> You'll be able to recognize them. They're the ones walking a little bit slower. Or when they go to reach for something, they're like, just give me, give me a second here, right? Um, this coming Friday, both teams play at 6.30 and 8 o'clock every Friday night. There's a couple of Fridays they're off. But this Friday, our two teams play each other head-to-head. You want to see some Christian trash talking going on? I already heard it down by the nursery. Red team's going to rule the blue. I was like, what? What's going on here? The little nursery kids are going to hear you guys talking this way? Man, come on, church. Um, so maybe game day. Maybe game day is your favorite day of the week. Or maybe it's uh, a special day that you give honor. It could be a marriage. It could be a graduation. It could be a promotion. It could be maybe somebody's death, a funeral. Was, was, that was sort of a special day. The birth of a child. It's a special day. Um, there's so many important days. And today we're going to pull out what I'm going to say is the most important day of the week for all of us. Okay? The most important day of the week. And that is, you can guess it, it's, it's Sunday. Sunday is a day in which it's our weekly reminder that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead and gave us new life. It's, it's our daily, it's our weekly reminder on that day, Sunday, that our Heavenly Father wants to have a relationship with us. It's an incredible day. Some people call it the Lord's Day. You might be thinking some people call it the Sabbath. And so then there's all this confusion because we use those terms somewhat flippantly. And so it's like, wait, Sabbath, Lord's Day, aren't they the same thing? There's some confusion going on. And I understand. Because here's the thing. When, when I was a kid, it, it seemed like Sunday was that day you go to church. It's all about the Sabbath is what I heard. And then I heard the Lord's Day. And I was like, well, how do we observe the Sabbath? Can I mow the lawn? No. Oh. Do I go to church? Yes. Do I go out to eat? Maybe not. Then again, back then, it wasn't like everybody went out to eat a lot, but there wasn't a lot of restaurants. A lot of them weren't open. How about, can I go outside and play ball? Yes. Take a nap? Sure, why not? You know, how about going shopping? No, no, don't go shopping on Sunday. Oh. You see what I grew up with? There's all these things you do's and don'ts, and I was rather confused as a child as to what I could and could not do. So, in a summary for me, I wrote this down. Basically, I could get up, go to church, come home, have a great meal with my family. I could take a nap, go outside, play ball, whichever one, both, right? And then at Sunday night, go back to church, okay? Because that's what Sunday was. That's what I grew up. But is that the original intent of Sunday? Is that what the Sabbath is all about? Is that the Lord's Day is all about? So I thought, well, okay, maybe we got to study this a little bit more and try to get a better understanding. I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of great books out there on the Sabbath and, and, and some good understanding of what is the Sabbath, what's the Lord's Day. And, and we're going to glean just a little bit of it, but hopefully 
help you understand um, because Paul, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 4.10, he said this, he goes, you're trying to earn your favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons of the year. Paul said, you're living by the law. It's like you're going to be a good person. You're trying to get to heaven by the, the days you observe. And we know that when Jesus Christ came along, the law went this direction and grace came up. Now we know there's grace and truth, but we need to understand what part are we supposed to be observing here. And so as Christians to observe the Sabbath or Saturday on Saturday or the Lord's Day on Sunday, what is that all about? So book of John. Let's start there. John chapter 5. This is a passage again that we've already seen twice, but I'm going to look at just one specific area, and then we're going to be going through our Bibles in a lot of directions. So have your Bibles ready to row. So John chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 9. It says this, instantly the man was healed. Again, this was the, the invalid that was there by the pool for 38 years. So he's by the pool. Instantly the man was healed. He rode up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened when? On the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, but the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd. But afterward... Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. We see here in this passage that something great happened on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders, they protested against it. Sometimes things just don't make sense, right? When something great happens, we should celebrate. But sometimes we just complain. You can walk outside on a sunny day today, right? And it's beautiful out there today, right? We all know what we went through last night. And we look out there, it's like, wow. And there'll be one person that will say, oh, but look, a cloud. Like, really? Come on, look around. There's more to it, right? These are like the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. People make great choices. Instead of getting excited, we find reason to protest or to complain, right? This was the Sabbath. And the religious leaders had come up with all these rules, for how you should be observing the Sabbath, this, this, this holy day. And because Jesus broke their rules, not God's, their rules, they said to persecute Jesus. They decided to start coming down on him. And they often, they often tried to trap him on every subject. Hey, should we pay taxes or not? Hey, is it okay to heal somebody on the Sabbath? Somebody's got demons or demon-possessed. Can you toss those demons out on the Sabbath? Well, what about this lady over here? She was caught in adultery. What should we do with her? They're always trying to trap Jesus. It just seemed like that was their thing. Here's the thing. They wanted their rules. Because, see, if you have to follow their rules, guess who you turn into? You're turning to them instead of God. They wanted people to depend on them and not God. So, they had all these rules for the Sabbath. So, let's look at the Sabbath. Where is the Sabbath first mentioned? Where do we get a hint of maybe a Sabbath? Go back to the beginning. Genesis. So, in your Bibles, go to the very first book of the Bible. Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. This is where we get a sort of a first idea or hint of what the Sabbath could look like. 
Verse 1 says, So the creation of heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work on creation. Now, I know from this verse, and, and oftentimes it can easily come to us, and people say, see, 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 God rested on the seventh day. This is the Sabbath. Therefore, we are supposed to take the Sabbath and rest. Right? We, we've maybe heard that. Here's the thing. God blessed it. But he had not yet sanctified it and commanded his people to do the same. We don't see that command here in Genesis chapter 2. Matter of fact, the word Sabbath isn't even used. Matter of fact, nowhere... Do you hear the word Sabbath used up until Moses? So between Genesis and Moses, Exodus 16 to be exact, we don't see the word Sabbath. So turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. Let's figure out where this this all started then. When's the first time the Sabbath, the word is used? Exodus chapter 16, we have Moses and the children of Israel. They've left Egypt. They're wandering out in the wilderness. They're heading towards the promised land. They get hungry. They get thirsty. They're running out of food, run out of water. God provides water. Now they need food. So God says, I'm going to give you manna. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be great food. You're going to wake up every morning, grab it and eat it, but it's only enough for that day. Because if you try to keep extra, when you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be all moldy and there's going to be maggots in it. So just grab what you need for today and that's good enough, right? So that was the command. But we get to verse 22 of chapter 16. It says this. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much as usual. Twice as much. Four quarts for each person instead of two. Then all the leaders of the community, they came and they asked Moses for an explanation. Why are we going to get two days worth instead of one like we've been doing. Well, this is what he said. This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath, where we first see this word used. A day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today. Set aside what's left for tomorrow. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. Moses said, eat this food today. For today is a Sabbath day to get dedicated to the Lord. There'll be no food on the ground today. You may gather the food for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath. There'll be no food on the ground that day. Some of the people went out anyway. Isn't that the way it works? God tells us something like, whatever, God. That's what these people did. So they went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and instructions? You might want to underline this next one. They must realize the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. That's why he gives you a two-day supply on the sixth day so there'll be enough for two days. On the Sabbath day, you must each stay in your place. Don't go out and pick up food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. So here we have the word Sabbath. Okay, The Hebrew word is Shabbat. Okay? And the Hebrew word is Oftentimes, as I've, I've learned, and, and, and I can probably be corrected on this, but a lot of times your noun is derived from the verb. And so what does the verb from Shabbat mean here? It means to stop, to, to cease, to take an intermission. So you're going to cease from doing one thing and do another. I'm going to cease from working, and I'm going to rest. So then the noun Sabbath is a day of rest. It's a day of ceasing. 
That's what we find here in understanding this. So ceasing means, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go out and pick up food today. Because I'm trusting God that what I did yesterday was enough for this day. That's what these people were learning through this moment of teaching. And sort of put into motion for us, take that day of rest. Trust God that he will provide for you tomorrow because he's taking care of you today. Taking a Sabbath in one sense is is trusting God. And a lot of times we have to ask that question. Whom do you trust? Do you really trust God that you can take a day off? Here's, here's, this might be a, an eye-opener for some of you, but if you take a day off, the world's going to keep spinning. I don't know if you knew that. Okay, I have a hard time with that sometimes. When I was told, okay, two weeks, no, no uh, exercise, no vigorous work, and matter of fact, um, your first Sunday after your surgery, you, you don't stand up there and preach, have somebody else do it. And I'm thinking, what? I can't stand up here and preach? The walls will probably fall down. I mean, there's probably going to be chaos. People running around like, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Not going to happen, is it? Because we got great people here who are able to fill the pulpit, who are able to bring God's truth. I don't have to be here to do that. I got to trust God. He's got it all in control. And he does. He does. So I, I, I understand. You know, sometimes like, well, I don't know if I can take that day off that I'm supposed to take the day off because... Trusting God on this one? Do you trust God that he'll provide? It's tough, isn't it? I mean, right now, this is a huge matter of trust for our farmers. I mean, anybody who's working agriculturally right now, trying to do outdoor work, and it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in the fields. I don't know if I'm going to be able to. That's, it's very difficult, right? Do you think God's got this under, is under control? Yeah, we, we, we can't see the end picture. So hard to trust, but God's like, trust me. You know, back in, back in Old Testament times, they actually took a whole year off of planting crops. I'm not saying God's given you a Sabbath year, but we had to trust God. And we still have to trust God, right? The next time we read of Sabbath is given as a, as a command by God. So here we so go to Genesis. This is where we sort of see God do something. And then in Exodus, boom, the word comes down. This is what Sabbath is. Now it's going to come in as a command. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Verses 8 to 10. The need to observe the Sabbath is found in the Ten Commandments. So let's read it, starting in verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male, female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in the six days that the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he set it apart as holy. Quick observations about this command. Again, we have ten commandments. There were actually 613 commands that God gave his people. These are the top ten. Sometimes we look at the other nine and we're like, oh, yeah, don't murder. I got that one. Okay. Yeah. No other gods before me. Yeah. Remember the Sabbath. All right. I remember. And then we move on. It's like it's one of those flighty commands. It's like maybe it doesn't matter as much as the others, right? Something else to observe here is this. The first four focus on our relationship with God, to love the Lord your God, right? We're supposed to not have any other gods before us, not to use the Lord's name in vain. The first four are all about God. 
The next six are all about our relationship with man. That's why Jesus said, let me sum up these commands in two. Love God, love others. First four, next six. Remember the Sabbath is right in the middle. It's almost like that connector between how we love God in relationship with being with others. It's a great connector command. Here's the other thing. It's framed in a positive manner. As you read through the Ten Commandments, we always have the what? Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. And then we get this one. Remember? It's like, oh, seems like a tone of voice was changed there or something. There's something different about it, right? It's framed in a positive manner. manner. And this is also the longest of the ten. It's like three verses long, right? And this is the only one that really references an event. So we see God establish the Sabbath on Mount Sinai. You seen how I sort of did it? I'm telling you what to do. Now here's the command. Now, where else is it talked about? Let me put some verses up on the screen for you. You want to write these down, you can, and come back and look at them. I'm going to read a couple of them. The first one, Exodus 31, 12 to 17, it describes the Sabbath as a sign between God and the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was, was set apart from all other nations. Nehemiah tells us that the Sabbath uh, was established with Moses at Mount Sinai. Let me read that one to you. Nehemiah 9 says, You came down at Mount Sinai, spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and instructions that were just and decrees and commands that were good. You instructed them concerning your holy Sabbath. And you commanded them through Moses, your servant, to obey all the commands, decrees, and instructions. In, in the book of Ezekiel, Chapter 20, verses 10 to 12, says this. So I brought them out of Egypt. I led them into the wilderness. There I gave them my decrees and regulations so they could find life. Did you ever think about that? God's commands are always good. They bring life. They give life by keeping them. I gave them my Sabbath days of rest as a sign between them and me. It was to remind them that I'm the Lord who set them apart to be holy. See, these verses reiterate that the Sabbath... And what that God gave was made by God at Mount Sinai for this particular group of people. It was for the nation of, of Israel. So we can conclude that, looking at these verses, that the Sabbath was for Israel alone. It wasn't instituted or observed because of any other reason except at the giving of the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. So that's what we conclude when we look through and find this. Jeremiah, a prophet of God, he warns the Jewish people to keep the Sabbath as a result um, that it would be the fall of Jerusalem. He says, if you don't keep the Sabbath, we're going to have some problems here. Jeremiah 17, it talks about that, 21, 22. For every Sabbath that these people did not observe, time was tacked on for them that they would be held in captivity in Babylon. And when that time was done, they came back. It's almost kind of like saying, listen, you broke the Sabbaths all these years. Add it up. That's only going to be in exile. In Exodus um, 32, uh, I'm sorry, 31, 12 to 18, the people of Israel were told, you'd be put to death if you broke the Sabbath. You think God's serious about his people being separate from everybody else? Listen, if you, if you want to be a part of this nation of Israel as a Jew... God chose you. You're set apart. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. That's what he's telling them. And I, I believe today, even as a, as a Christian, you know, I, maybe you've heard Dave Ramsey with Financial Peace University say this. If you want to live like nobody else, you've got to live like nobody else, right? 
I tell my boys this often, and that is this. You're going to live for the Lord. You have to live like nobody else. It's just the way it is. You will be different in your school. You'll be different in your workplace. You'll be different because you are choosing to live a holy life. Living a holy life is so different than today's culture. So you want to live like nobody else? You've got to live like nobody else. That's what it means, right? But we get to the New Testament. We come to Jesus. We know this about Jesus. Jesus was what? He was born a Jew, right? And during his lifetime, he kept the Sabbath. But in the book of Acts, the word Sabbath is used only nine times. And not once is it spoken as a day to be observed by Christians. Nowhere is it suggested that God's people meet on that seventh day or regarded as a special day different from any other day or bring attention to it. We see that this is the Jewish religious leaders who took the Sabbath from the Old Testament and turned it into a law in the New Testament when Jesus was showing us grace. It's important to understand this. It got to the point where the religious leaders would, would take the Sabbath and really make it a strain on people. It was supposed to be God's gift to us, right? But now it was becoming a burden. For example, the law that a man was not supposed to travel on the Sabbath. As a man, I could travel up to 1,000 yards on the Sabbath. So if I got to 999, 1,000 yards, that's as far as I can go on the Sabbath. Sorry. But there's a way around it. If I got a really long rope and I tied the rope from one end of the town to the other end of the town, that doesn't count except as one yard. So I tie that rope off and I'll get to the end of the rope. It's like, now I can walk my thousand yards from the end of the rope. Ah, there's always a way around this, right? There's rules. Know the rules, people. Oh, work? You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. By the way, man, if you're walking on the Sabbath within your thousand yards... And you have to spit. If I spit and it hits dirt and it creates a little furrow, that's called plowing. That's work. Shame on you for working on the Sabbath. All I did was spit. You should have spit on a rock. If you spit on a rock, that counts as nothing. Okay? So I'm walking like, oh, rock. I could do that. How silly is this, right? Oh, there's more. You see what the religious leaders did? They took what God made us holy and they put all these strains on it. Now, keep in mind, there's a Jewish calendar, there's Egyptian calendars, there's our calendar, and you're trying to figure out the seventh day and the first day and the Sabbath and the Lord's day, and it can get somewhat confusing. James Boyce, he says, in studying Psalm 118, 22 to 24, that's the psalm that says... Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's one of the Psalms. And it talks about the cornerstone. And that verse is related to another verse in Acts chapter 9. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 4, verse 11 to 12. It talks about the cornerstone. And in tying these together, he's, he brings to the conclusion that for the Christian, Sunday is the Lord's day. It has no relationship to the Jewish Sabbath. Those are two different things. But it can be very confused, like, well, I thought Sabbath, Lord's Day, same. It's for the Jews, again, remember, the Sabbath was for the nation of Israel. It was the seventh day. The Lord's Day was the first day of the week. We don't celebrate Sunday because God said, set aside the seventh day. We celebrate Sunday because this is the day that God did something amazing. Let me begin with a 
probably the most important thing that God ever did on the first day of the week. He resurrected his son, Jesus Christ. The resurrection of our Lord took place on the first day of the week. The Lord's Day is why we call it this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put up about some very important events. I'll put them up on the screen for you, and I'll just zip through them. But these are important things that took place uh, on the Lord's Day. If you start reading through the New Testament, it's interesting that beginning with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from then on in the New Testament, important religious events of significance fell on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. So obviously the first one, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. But it's also on the first day of the week that the Lord Christ ascended into heaven the first time after his earthly life. On the first day of the week, Jesus appeared to his disciples while they were in the upper room, and he gave them peace. We read that on the first day of the week, Jesus Christ broke bread with the disciples. First, he's walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, broke bread with them, and had a time of observing communion, right, the Lord's Supper, and then also with his disciples again. It was the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, Jesus opened the understanding of the disciples in their minds so they could understand Scripture, what he taught concerning himself. So we follow the example of Jesus Christ when we come here on Sunday. We gather together. We open up God's Word, and we ask for God's blessing upon his Word that we can understand the interpretation of his Scriptures. It's also on the first day of the week, Jesus commissioned his disciples the task of evangelism. Go out into all the world. On the first day of the week, Jesus breathed on his disciples, imparting the Holy Spirit upon them. On the first day of the week, seven weeks after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven at Pentecost. And it began his ministry in the entire age of the Christian church. Today we look at the Holy Spirit to impart upon us his gifts and skills for the work of correction and reproof and and conversion and these things we see taught in the Bible is what the Spirit's doing. We also see on the first day of the week the Holy Spirit directed Paul to gather the believers together and to preach to them. 1 Corinthians 16, 12 says the first day of the week Paul established a day in which we would start giving our offerings to the Lord. And on the first day of the week the Lord Jesus appeared to the Apostle John on the island of Patmos and provided an incredible revelation. Incredible, significant events took place on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. All these events took place rather than on the Jewish Sabbath, but instead on that first day, which gives us now a pattern for how we do church. You might wonder, why do we do the things we do in church? A lot of this is patterned after what we see in the New Testament that took place after the resurrection. So we do these things, for instance. We gather together. On Sunday, I know it's like, oh, I can, I can worship God at home. I know you can, you can worship God anywhere, right? But not, nothing beats worshiping together like this when we gather together with the body of believers. It's scriptural, we do it. We also read and we interpret Scripture. You come in here, we read from God's Word, we try to discern what it says. We, we preach and teach from God's Word when we gather in here together. We collect offerings in our blessings box. We observe communion and we share our faith. Some of you invited your friends or family members to come to this church and now you're coming here because of family. They were sharing their faith with you and now you're here and now you get to share your faith with somebody else. All these things we see took place in the New Testament when? On the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. 
Church, today is the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week. We pattern ourselves after that. But above all, we remember and we celebrate the reason we're able to do this. The first one I mentioned up there, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we're going to sing a song at the end of this sermon, and, and, and I had these in my notes before I heard the song. And in the first service, I got done preaching, and Dave and the worship team comes up here, and Dave's like, Rex, Rex. I'm like, he goes, did you know we were singing that song? I was like, no. Well, yes and no. I was back in, in my office, and, and I heard them practice the song. I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to be talking about this because we're going to sing our God is mighty to save. He conquered death. He conquered the grave. We're going to be singing about that. We do that every Sunday. We sing about the resurrection. Why is that? Because it is a bottom line foundation for why we meet on the Lord's day. We meet here today because Jesus Christ is alive. He resurrected from the dead. That's why we gather. This isn't by accident that we do it. It's patterned after God, what he gave us. And we follow that pattern and we do it with thanksgiving. Church, today is the Lord's day. Today is the Lord's day. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you with this. I'm going to give you some practical thoughts on, on how we look at Sunday as the Lord's day. First of all, understand this. This day is really celebrated by Christians. If you're not a Christian, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you're not a Christian, then this day is just like another day for you. But if you're a Christian, this is a very important day. That's why it's the Lord's Day. That's why we celebrate it. So that's sort of bottom there, bottom line to foundation, okay? But here's the, here's the next thing. It's the day of thanksgiving and joy. Christmas, Sundays and Christmas, aren't those fun? Thanksgiving, the holidays, we come in here, but like, oh, yeah. Easter, woo, and then every other Sunday, whatever. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like, why don't we come in every Sunday like we do at Christmas time or Easter? I don't know. There's something about the holidays, right? Today is the Lord's Day. You get 52 holidays that fall on Sunday every year. The Lord's Day is our holiday to celebrate. It was God's gift to us. You think about this. What's my attitude when I come in to worship? Did Jesus Christ die for you? Yeah. Did he have to? No. Did he choose to? Yes. Are you thankful for that? Absolutely. And come in here ready to sing. Come in here ready to worship. You having a bad day? I'm sorry. You came to the right place. Because the rest of us, none of us in here are perfect. None of us have it all together. None of us come in here joyful. A lot of us come in hurting. I'm glad you're here. I hope that through today and every Sunday you come in here, you find some hope and some peace. So when you leave here, you have a little bit more joy than you had when you first came in. This is also a day of rest. Retreat from you your usual work that maybe you're active with. It is a day of rest. Listen, we are not created to go 24-7. Some of us think we are. We're not. In Genesis, what did God do? He worked those six days, and then on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. Do you, do you think God needed to rest? Do you think after six days, like, whew, man. I got to say it in the deep voice. Whoa, man. I don't know if I can do it. <clears throat> I'm whooped. 
It took everything out of me creating man on that last day. I need a break, right? You think God did that? No. He's God. But I think he's like, hey, that was fun. What should I do on day seven? You know what? I'm going to rest. I'm going to cease. And maybe my children will learn to do the same thing and just trust me on this day. Take a break. Rest. Remember this. Rest is not a reward for your work. I work six days. I need a day rest. No, rest is your day to start off in preparation for work. It sort of gears you up to go, empowers you to go to work. Here's another thing. It's a day of activity. Time out. You just said it's a day of rest. Now you said it's a day of activity. Which one is it? Yes. Yeah, it's both. See, we come in here actively ready to worship in song, in prayer, engaging in singing, whether you lift your hands or you don't, whether you clap or don't, whether you, whether you get into God's Word and you're engaging in, in, with your mind and actively getting there, or whether you're just sort of casually coming back. We are active in how we worship. You need to get outside, go run, go play, go for it. It's a break from your work activity. You get to come here to serve, too. Some of you greet. Some of you work in the nursery. Some of you teach the children. It's a great day to serve. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can teach children. Are you a parent? Yeah, you're teaching kids all the time. Here's the fun part. You get to teach another maybe nine, ten other kids about Jesus. Oh, at home, what are you teaching your kids? Stop doing that. Stop doing that. You can come here and say, you know what Jesus did? How fun is that? It's also a day to grow in your faith. Today's a day to grow in your faith. I don't know if some of you have children who have glasses. um, Because when children are are little and they have glasses, don't they tend to like, they they push their, like, they they don't know how to find that middle part of their glasses to push off. They're like, they use their whole hand. They got fingerprints and smudges all over. Have you ever seen those kids before? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like looking over your kid right now like, it's you, right? Okay, and, and you look at them and you're like, how do they even see out of those glasses? Does that make sense? I mean, you're like, I've, I've seen kids before and it's like, I just want to like, excuse me. There, Phew, I feel better, don't you? Can you see me now? You know, I, I, I want to do that, right? And, and that's, it's like, you ask those kids like, hey, when's the last time you cleaned your glasses? I don't know, when's the last time you told me? That was the last time? Yeah. It's like we got to tell kids to do stuff, right? we got to tell our kids, you probably should put your clothes in the hamper and get them washed, right? Why? Well, the mold on them right now, that stink, that's why, right? Your sheets. When's the last time you changed your sheets in your bed? What year is it? Really? They're going to disintegrate, man, right? We often have to tell our kids. Here's the thing. Sunday is God's day where he tells his kids, hey, you need to spiritually clean yourself up. So come on in here. Let's, let's get spiritually cleaned up today. Let me help change some of that clothing you're wearing. Let me help clean up your spiritual focus because it's really blurry right now. Sunday is a day where you get to grow your faith. And here's the last thing. Sunday is a day of expectation. I love Sundays. You know why? Because they're never the same. I get in my car to drive here and I'm praying and I have no idea who's going to be here until I get here and I think, oh, you're here. Awesome. Okay. I don't know. It isn't like people check in with me. By the way, you do not have... Some people are like, hey, I just want to let you know where I'm at. It's like, listen, I'm not the attendance police guy, okay? I'm glad you let me know where you're at. I really do. But if you miss, like, don't feel super bad. Like, I'm so sorry. I didn't tell you where I was at. It's okay. 
That's right. If you're not here, I know you're somewhere, okay? And we can pray for you wherever you're at. But when I show up, i like, you're here today. It's great, you know? I don't know who's going to be here. I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of times, I don't know what songs are going to be sung. I don't ask Dave in advance. I could. We see each other throughout the week. I could say, hey, what are you doing this Sunday? Sometimes I might say, hey, how about a hymn, you know, or something else. I don't know. I don't know how the Spirit's going to work. I don't know until after the service, somebody comes and says, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Cool. God's Spirit was speaking to you. I come with expectation, knowing that God's going to work. I don't know how he's going to work. I just know he's going to work. I expect him to work, and I'm excited about that. And it isn't about necessarily the message. Some people come out of here and like, worship today, that song hit me. I needed to hear that. Or maybe it was they were out, out in the lobby and, and they had a conversation with somebody and they were able to pray with another person. God worked on them. It's like God will show up in so many different ways. I want the worship team to come forward. While they're coming forward, let me, let me say this. Today's the Lord's Day. First day of the week. We get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a special day, no doubt about it. So I want to encourage you, whenever you come to church, you wake up Sunday morning, it's like, oh, what should I do today? Well, just remember, it's the Lord's Day. So keep a lot of these things in mind that we just talked about as, as a day of rest, a day of activity, a day to grow in your faith, a day to get things right with God, a day of expectation, patterned after what we see in the New Testament. But you don't have to then go on Tuesday and Wednesday and like live however you want to live, okay? Hey, I had my Sunday. I can go do what I want to do now. I was in Washington, D.C. probably 20 plus years ago. I was at a youth uh, evangelism conference. And we had to park our, our 15 passenger van in this parking lot and we had to go and pay every day. We just, it was like, can we just pay for the four days we're here? No, you got to come down every day and pay the parking attendant. So every morning I'd leave the hotel, walk down to the, the uh, parking lot, find the parking attendant, and I'd pay him for that day. And I thought, you know what? I'm here. And an evangelism conference. I probably should share my faith with somebody, right? I mean, isn't that the Christian thing to do? So I thought, how can I share my faith with this man? So I've been praying about it. So the next day I show up and I, I thought, okay, how can I get the conversation started with him about his faith? He's wearing a cross necklace. Boom. Thank you, Lord. This is going to be an easy intro. Hey, I see you're wearing that necklace there at the cross. What does the cross mean to you? And he was like, oh, man, the cross. Jesus Christ died on that cross for me. And I'm going, oh, okay. And so he starts giving this little sermonette to me, right? And meanwhile, this, this uh, nice young looking lady comes walking by. And what Jesus did for, oh, baby. Yeah, oh. And what Jesus did for me was, and I'm like, <laughs> what just happened? I think you need more Jesus than this. Mm, ah, Okay. And I didn't get that for a second, you know, and so I'm thinking, okay, so we had a good conversation, went back to the convention, and then the next day I come down, it's like, okay, let's have another conversation here. So, like, we're talking again, he's like, hey, you want to listen to what I listen to when I get in my car every Sunday and I go to church? Like, absolutely, I'm getting in the car with a stranger in the middle of D.C., why not, let's go. So we get in the car, and, and he, he pops in his cassette, um, Kids, if you don't know what cassette is, ask your parents, okay? Pops in the cassette, and we start listening to some gospel music, and it's like, this is what I listen to every Sunday. It's like, I like it, I like it. And he goes, he goes hey, the way I see it is like this. I can live however I want to live all week long. 
But on Sunday morning comes around, I get it right with God on the way there. And I'm going, oh, man. I was like sitting there thinking, that's how a lot of us live. You know, and I'm sitting there looking at him, and, and I shouldn't be judging him, but I was judging him. I'm thinking, you know, shame on me because I do it too. I feel like I can do anything I want to do. And then, when it, hey, when the Lord's Day, it's the Lord's Day. It's not my day, it's the Lord's Day. So, But the rest of the week, it's my day, right? As a Christian, I believe every day is the Lord's Day. But we do know this, Sunday, the Lord's Day, it's a day to worship him. It's, it's his day. Let's do these things in honor of him and his resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. But the rest of the week... You don't have to give up doing all this stuff. You can continue to worship him on a daily basis because as a believer in Jesus Christ, that's what we do on a daily basis. Amen? Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an awesome and amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, so much that you gave us your son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth in our messed up world and give us hope and peace most importantly, new life in you. God, I thank you for your word, Old Testament and New Testament. I thank you, Lord, for how you started way back in Genesis and you showed us, hey, take a day off. This is what the Sabbath was. And you showed us through the nation of Israel, your people and your covenant relationship with them and how important that was and how serious you are about living different than the rest of the world. And God, now we're looking at a Sunday and saying, this is the Lord's day. I see it very similar. In a sense, Lord, that we are people set apart. Our Sunday should be different than everybody else's Sunday. It's the Lord's day. It's your day. It's the day we we celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, who conquered the grave and gave us new life. So God, I thank you. Thank you we can celebrate today. So God, we're just going to sing to you now because we love you. In thy name we pray. Amen.